This is your host, Natalie Allport, former national team athlete and entrepreneur, and welcome to the All In Podcast, where I share stories, interviews, and advice with the goal of helping you go all in. Hey guys, thanks for tuning in again this Thursday. We're going live with Team USA bobsled athlete and Olympic silver medalist, Lauren Gibbs. We're going to talk about what she's up to, her training, her mindset, and a bunch of different cool things about what she does. So here she is, and I'm going to add her on here. Started. Hey. Hey, how are you? Good. Yourself? Good. Yeah, doing well. Just uh, hopefully there's an okay connection. I'm. I haven't been outside today yet, so I figured I would sit outside um, and and give it a go out here. So how no are you? Worries. Good. Yeah, I'm good. I, I today I was trying to film a, a video of a day in the life of Juju Smith Schuster. So I was uh, training on the field for, well, actually, I think I was doing some similar training to what you might be used to with all the sprint training. So yeah. I'm going to ask you a lot of questions about that during this. Cool. Because it was hard, like mentally even just to go hard and do those little drills. Oh, my gosh. Yeah. And especially <laughs> the hotter it gets, the the less in shape you feel, even though you feel like you should be in shape if you've been doing it for an extended period of time. So, yeah, it oh, doesn't really man. get any easier. Uh, I can only imagine. So, yeah, I want to start off with a little bit of the background of your story, because I know a lot of bobsled athletes come from a different sport background. Um, There's a lot of crossover. I know when I was training, um, I would train in Whistler. There'd be a lot of the bobsled athletes over there, and I'd talk to them, and they have a lot of interesting backgrounds. So what was it like for you growing up, the different sports that you did, and how did you actually come to bobsled? Yeah, you know, growing up, I played, I think, every sport I could possibly try. I started out with soccer, but my, like, first love was figure skating and hockey, my mom wouldn't let me play hockey, so I uh, I did figure skating. She was like, I pay a lot of money for those teeth. I was like, that's not a thing anymore, Mom. <laughs> you have the uh, Exactly. Thank you. Especially in women's hockey. And I still, like, the Team USA women's hockey team is, like, my one of my favorite groups of women because I just, like, I wanted to be just like them when I was a kid. And then I went to an all-girls high school, so that really allowed me to play a number of different sports. I tried softball. Um, did some swimming. I swim like a rock though. So not super buoyant. That Me didn't too. work out well. Yeah. Um, and then dabbled in track and field and actually got recruited to university for track and field. And then found out that in university track and field is a two season sport. And I was like, no. <laughs> uh, so I actually ended up playing volleyball in college and that was kind of the sport that stuck, but I'm only 5'10", so I knew that, um, sorry for those that don't speak in feet and inches like us silly Americans, I, I don't know the conversion, but. We, um, we go by both, it's, it's okay, odd, good. it's like at the doctor's office, they ask you, and we never, we're like, oh, centimeters, <laughs> yeah, but then yeah. I, I would know as like five foot, I'm five foot seven. There you go, there you go, yeah, so five foot ten, just not tall enough to do volleyball professionally, and so graduated from college, started working in corporate America, was making six figures, getting my executive MBA at Pepperdine, and then Respect. like tr- tried out for bobsled as a complete joke. Yeah, I was like, this would be funny if I like tried out for an Olympic team, and like my friend was like, you should do it, and I was like, absolutely not, but I'll I'll <laughs> like go to Olympic training center and check it out, and like maybe I'll meet an Olympian, and like we'll buy like a T-shirt or something like that. And oh my god, eat in the cafeteria, and that'll be it. And now six years later been a bobsledder. 
That is so awesome. I, yes. I actually used to, they would try to recruit me at the uh, Olympic Training Center. They were like, skeleton, bobsled. And I was like, no, 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 I, I snowboard. And they were like, no, 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 come on. And I was like, no, that's too scary. I don't want to go down the ice. They're like, you do slope style snowboarding. Like, it's different. Like you have more control, I find, versus you're, you're going down there. One of the, my pilot now who used to compete for Canada, Keely Humphreys, I'm actually at her house. <laughs> ah, she yeah. was a competitive skier. So, you know, there's still time for you. Well, yeah, who knows? Maybe. You try? <laughs> I can do a little bit of sprinting, but all the sprint drills that I did today, I learned that they were very difficult. <laughs> I'm, I'm definitely going to get into asking you about, about your training, but I want to get into like the Olympic memories that you have and your experience there. What was yeah. it like? What were some of your favorite experiences being there? Because most of the people on here have never been there and would love to hear about some of the insights. The Olympic Games was like the most fun I've ever had. Um, and I credit that to having The most important thing is your competition, but as long as it doesn't detract from your competition, like, you know, live it up. And like, I was 33 at the time, I'm 36 now, far past my partying stage is like, I'll go out and like have a drink and have dinner and all that stuff, but I'm not like a big partier, uh, never have really been a fan of it. Not that there's anything wrong with it. If you enjoy it. Um, I feel you. <laughs> but uh, yeah, cause like it's just, it takes away from training. And so I got to meet like all these just incredible Olympians. And I kind of like, I remember being at opening ceremonies and looking around the room and like, I still love figure skating so much. So like all of my figure skating friends think I'm crazy. Cause I'm just like, you're so amazing. <laughs> and I'm like, they're like, we're the same. I'm like, no, but we're not. Cause you've been doing your sport your entire life. Um, so it was really neat to just be in a room with all these people that I really respect as athletes and then realize like I'm, I was one of them. You know, I grew up watching Michelle Kwan and Christy Yamaguchi and I've gotten the opportunity to meet them. Um, Michelle follows me back on Instagram, which was like one of the coolest things <laughs> in my life. And so, you know, in the process of doing this, I'm still such a big fan. So it was like the coolest behind the scenes Olympic experience you could have. The Olympic Village was awesome. You know, Team USA really does a great job of making sure we feel at home and that we're taken care of and we have the food that we need and the clothes that we need and just the setup that we need in order to be successful. And um, in the Team USA building at the bottom, we have like a little athlete resource center so we can actually watch Olympic competition and it's the feed so it's not necessarily what's broadcasted so you can watch it without listening to commentators and I, I don't get me wrong I love commentators maybe I'll be <laughs> one one day but it's nice to just kind of get the raw footage of like what's happening and you know the opportunity to see some of your friends just really have a day and have a moment like one of my good friends Chris Mazder won a silver medal um, he's the first American male to win a luge medal Right in 2014, oh. Aaron Hamlin won a bronze. She was the first American female to win an Olympic medal in luge, and so it was really cool to see history be made. Um, and then just I watched cross country skiing, which is like one of the most savage sports I've ever oh seen. Oh my gosh! I never knew. Um, it's insane. So the VO2 max is crazy. Oh, but they're just like elbowing each other and like slobber. <laughs> like it's like it's like savagery. And then like to then see them like walk in the building after like winning is just like the coolest thing ever. So. I had a blast and uh, that's kind of why I'm still doing this sport because it's, uh, it's intoxicating, right? I kind of want to do it again. So yeah, we'll that's awesome. Yeah. yeah. I guess 2022 is just around the corner. Yes. What's yes, crazy it is. is like with the delay of this Olympics, it's like, there's going to be what, like six months or so between Olympic games. Like it's yeah. going to be a field day for all the sports television channels. I know. Like you're going to get all the, 
sports that we're missing now, it's going to be like sports overload. So, yeah. I'm excited for it. I feel like I didn't realize how much I missed watching sports Mm -hmm. until this whole period of time. Yeah. Yeah, it's crazy. Yeah. So what have you been doing during this period of time with your training and everything? Like, how have you adapted to being in lockdown, so to say? That's been tough. You know, I ordered some weights and luckily our team has a partnership with Hammer Strength Fitness. So they Mm -hmm. were able to get us um, some equipment at a discounted price, which was great. Of course, it got, some of it got lost in transit, so trying to figure that out. I swear someone stole my first barbell because, like, uh, it's hard to find barbells, and so I'm kind of like, I kind of don't blame the person, but um, yeah. So it's been it's the tough thing for me is um, there's so many unknowns, right? There's so many unknowns on whether or not the season's gonna happen, and I really love training, but I like training in the right environment with the right opportunities, and like I'm 36 now, so I have to really be careful about training. I I can't afford to push myself too far and get injured and then have a setback. And so we've really been playing it safe. And so just trying to get uh, access to a training center, I'm hoping to get access on Monday and then, but I'll have to quarantine for 14 days and then hopefully get some treatment. And so it's been kind of all over the place. You know, I've been trying to either, I've been at my parents' house, now I'm at Kaylee's house and hopefully I'll be in Chula Vista and then I'm, you know, going up North and just trying to figure out how to make it work. But what I will say, which has been really cool, is just the opportunity to be creative and uh, come with solutions, like figure out solutions, you know, yeah. has been important to me. So, yeah, um, yeah that's, that, I think that's been a big opportunity this time. Like, I know it's been stressful for a lot of people and a lot of change, but it's so important to realize that we can adapt to this change yeah. and that like a lot of like we're being forced all of us to adapt to this change in some way. And I find like a lot of people are very resistant to resistant to change, but now it's mm-hmm. like, no, you have to, like there's yeah. nothing anyone else can do about it. There's, yeah. There's really no other option. And uh, you either overcome and adapt and come out stronger or, you know, you just kind of hunk, hunker down, I guess, and wait for it to pass and see what, what's left. Um, yeah. So definitely yeah. I want to dive in more about like motivation and mindset. Cause I know there's a lot of questions I always get asked on these lives about it and the guests get asked. But one of the main questions that, that I have for you is uh, getting back into training. Um, what does your training normally look like? Because I want to stick on the training topic before we yeah. move back into all that motivation and mindset. Like on a normal day, not quarantine. Yeah, so my normal training, I, I train like an Olympic sprinter um, and an Olympic weightlifter. So the goal of bobsled is to be fast but explosive strength. Um, and so usually I have a sprint session in the morning after breakfast protein shake, a lift after that, and then lunch, and then recovery, rehab stuff, and then dinner, and then bed. And so um, I train six days a week generally, and then Sundays are completely off with two of those days being more like recovery type days um, where you're getting your body moving and your blood flowing, but it's with like less intensity. Um, yeah. but it's still hard like it's supposed to be recovery and I'm like why am I sweating <laughs> so, I know yeah. someone asked me the other day for some tips on like active recovery and they're like on your rest day do you like run or lift and I was like yeah. that is not a rest day <laughs> like what are you talking about yeah. so what, what do you do on your rest days and actually a, a deeper question is how do you know if it's a day that you need to take a rest or if it's a day that you need it's just like you're lacking the motivation and you have to push through that second session or whatever it is yeah, so for me, I kind of use my body as a litmus test. Like I said, I'm 36, and then by, by no means is that old, but it's a little bit old to be doing what I'm doing. And so I have to weigh risk-reward. 
Um, if I can't get a quality workout where I feel like I can work out and not injure myself, then I, <laughs> then there's really no point, right? Because an injury is going to set you further back. And so it's not just making those decisions, but it's making good decisions in your training and other areas of your life. Right. Well, I've been going to bed way too late. If this was like normal train times, like I need to be in bed by 11. Um, and then so I can get up at seven and, and get my eight hours in. I struggle to stay asleep. So then I've had to like get go to bed earlier and earlier. But sleep is like the biggest way to recover. And so it's amazing that um, if you get enough sleep and you're hydrated and your nutrition's on point, things are always a little bit easier, right? If you don't, then you're more prone to injury. You're more prone to be sore and you're more prone to just be emotional about and moody about things. And so, <laughs> yeah. yeah, I think more so important than like how to make that decision is how to not have to make that decision. And then if you're doing all the right things and you still feel like crap, then, you know, you, it's a hard, like you do something else. Yeah. Right. And so like today, um, I've been having a bit of a hip hamstring issue, probably going to get some treatment on it on Monday. And so just, I hate, I feel like it's another setback because I'm already out of shape, but the other option is to push through it and hurt myself and then really have a setback. And so I think that comes with time. You know, when I was in my twenties, I was invincible and now <laughs> everything hurts a little bit more and takes a little longer to heal. Uh, um, so yeah. I think it comes with time for sure. Definitely. I think it's, it's a learning process for most because I think as much as like older athletes can tell the athletes who are like 19, 20 and tell them to be like, be safe about your training, right. you know, strive for that long-term goal. Don't push and go through these injuries that we have or whatever it is they're not they don't listen unless they've experienced it yeah. and it's especially I think that's just like part of the athlete mindset those people who are like go 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 like mm -hmm. you have to learn things the hard way and sometimes yeah. I, well I think it also it'll help you appreciate things right so yeah, right. like when you complain about training you I was thinking like the times that I haven't been able to train you know I, I'll, I don't have a ton of time left in the sport and so I'm gonna do my very best that when I if we get to get on ice this season is to just enjoy every part of it even the stuff that isn't fun just know that I'm not going to do it forever. It's a very special time in my life. It's a very special opportunity, as you know, to represent your country, right? There is like a special sense of pride of wearing your flag or your, you know, your country's name on your back. And even the smile that you, you get it, like that smile yeah. that you have right on your face, it's like, it gives you chills, right? And so it's so easy to get caught up in the stuff that you hate and that isn't working. Um, and then the next thing you know, it's gone. And so I, I'm, a, I'm really trying to savor the moment and enjoy the aspects of it that I can. Yeah. Enjoy the process and, mm -hmm. and the day to day. What are yeah. some of the things that, that you really love about the training at, in your specific sport? And what are some of the things that are a little bit harder to truck through? I really enjoy seeing the res like just the positive impacts of quality training days as things start right. to not feel easy, but they start to feel smoother and they start to feel like things are clicking and I feel like I'm able to push myself. The things I don't like about training is just uh, just when things don't go well. You know, when <laughs> I, I feel off or I feel sluggish or, like, if I'm supposed to lift heavy that day and I feel weak or Ugh. if, you know, it's supposed to be a recovery day and it's, it should be flowy and it feels, like, it feels like I'm working too hard and I'm not getting um, the desired result from it. But – what I've learned is that you do the best you can on the days 
on every day, right? And the point isn't like you PR on every day. It's just that you push yourself in the appropriate amount to get incremental um, improvements in your in your training and in your performance. Right. Yeah. No, yeah, I think like, you know, you have that micro focus and day to day, there's a lot of ups and downs. But when you can see it tracking in the right direction and like you mm -hmm. stick your head out and you see like three months of training, you're like, wow, like I have gone yeah. here to here. That's, that's a really good feeling. Yeah. Right now I've seen three months of quarantine eating. Um, <laughs> the results of that. <laughs> Last week, someone asked me, they're like, uh, how, how do you stick to clean eating? I was like, oh, I'm so sorry to tell you all, but I have not been eating clean this quarantine. Yeah. Last week was like pizza, ice cream, like, oh, uh, yeah. Are you I'm in Canada? Canada? I'm in Canada, yeah. What part? In Ottawa. Okay. Yeah, so it's Do you have village ice cream where you are? No. So I always have it in Calgary. Oh my gosh. If you are in Calgary and you're watching this and Village Ice Cream is open, go get Village Ice Cream. Oof. I, it's not you know what? Ad. I've been in Calgary so many times, but I haven't been, yeah, I haven't got it. Oh, it's so good. I love Calgary. I mean, I love Canada, but I love Calgary. Oh yeah. Do you like, which do you like most, Calgary or like Whistler? So I've spent more time in Calgary and like, gone up the river and like you mm. know there's an ice house there you can't beat the views of whistler i've never spent time in yeah. whistler in the summer so i feel like oh, i don't so, know it's so beautiful i can only imagine what it's like i yeah. wish i i mean and one place i wish i'd spent more time in is just in vancouver mm -hmm. um because we always just kind of fly in and drive up but um, yeah yeah i i love both they have uh, different different special things yeah. yeah, yeah, Calgary is nice. Like, where I live in Ottawa, it reminds me a lot of Calgary, except for we have no mountains, it's flat. But, like, the actual city structure, yeah, yeah. it, it kind of reminds me the same. And how Calgary's pretty spread out in it. Yeah. So that reminds me. But, yeah, I was born in Vancouver, and I miss it a lot. And like, oh, yeah, it's beautiful. But, like, you, like, every time we would fly out to Vancouver, and we're immediately on a bus from the airport straight up to Whistler. And, yeah, I wish I spent even more time during all my trips, because Vancouver's such a beautiful city. Yeah. Yeah. What are some of, like, what's the best place that you've traveled in your sport? Um, St. Moritz, Switzerland is awesome. Mm. It is the birthplace of bobsled, and it's the only handmade natural track that we race on, that we use every season. Oh, wow. And so it's built out of ice and snow by hand every year, and it's, like, sliding on a cloud, and it's that's beautiful. So cool. um, obviously, I'll always have a special place in my heart for South Korea, because that's where I won my medal and became an Olympian and all that good stuff. Um, and then, you know, there's, there's parts of Germany that I really enjoy too. The cool thing is, is like, I like most of the areas that we go to, they're just not like city centers. So there's some right. places there's not a lot going on. Um, I, feel, I remember and, that feeling. And the Wi-Fi sucks in some places, but other than that, <laughs> like true. you're on top of a mountain and there's usually some pretty good views. Which Do you find, cool. like, all the hotels charge you per day for, like, super expensive for, like, there's really shitty Wi-Fi on all of those mountain towns? I don't know because, like, that, that all fortunately is handled through the team. And so mm -hmm. since there's so many of us, I think we get a decent deal because um, our federation doesn't have a ton of money for that kind of stuff. But <laughs> we stay in some pretty nice places, which is nice. And another thing that's cool, we stay in the same hotels where we go. So we've built relationships oh, yeah. with the hotels that um, – that I think uh, allow us to stay in some nicer places for a decent deal. Yeah, yeah, that's good. I know like with the World Cups for snowboarding, it was kind of the same. There was like a deal and it was always the same price. 
any World Cup you went to, no matter where it is in the world, oh, like the buffet nice. and everything. Yeah, so that was always nice. But uh, yeah, I went to Junior Worlds in Spain, and the the roommate I was sharing, like we had tiny, tiny rooms, and like you'd pay seven dollars or seven euros for Wi-Fi, but only mm-hmm. one person could be on. So you're like fighting, and you're trying to kick the other person off. Yeah, it's like, bad. Oh, it's such. There are some places that athlete. do charge you for Wi-Fi, and I'm like, this is annoying. <laughs> I know. Why don't we have free Wi-Fi everywhere? Yeah. Seriously. Yeah. It's it's 2020. Like, we're getting 5G. Yeah. Uh. I'm not sure. I'm, oh, there we go. Uh, we froze there. Oh, I'm back. Oh, all right. Awesome. Perfect. Yeah. I said at the start, you didn't freeze. I was like, oh, no. I did a little bit. Yeah. It always it always happens. It's the problem with Instagram Live, mm-hmm. so it's all all good. Um, but yeah, like diving back into motivation, how do you stay motivated during these times of uncertainty? And I just want to add something quickly: is if anyone wants to submit some questions, I will try to get to them and ask. So you can feel free to hit the like little question mark button and submit some questions. Yeah. So how do I stay stay motivated in these times? I think um, creating some sort of normalcy and routine is really important. And so I really use my calendar and just start scheduling stuff in there. I've also used this time to invest in other areas of my life that I haven't had the opportunity to. So like I said, I, I'm usually at my parents' house, so spending more time with them, which has been really great. And like you really get to know your parents in a different way as an adult, which is kind of cool. That is true. Yeah. And then also it's like, you know, I know that I only have, like I said, a limited amount of time left in this sport and I want to make the time count. Um, but also it's like, you can't be unrealistic with your expectations. You can't be, you know, I feel like the first two months of, um, quarantine, everybody was making sourdough bread <laughs> That's, yeah. and I was like, I should be making something. And then I was like, you know what? I don't, I don't have the like bandwidth to do that. And so instead I just said, Hey, for all you sourdough bread makers, if you have extra bread, let me know. So I got like four <laughs> loaves of sourdough bread, uh-huh. which That's I felt best. pretty accomplished by. And now my mom's making sourdough bread. So I'll have something to come home to, but <laughs> I think it's important to have some kind of balance, right? We're going through something that's unprecedented and to think that you should just be able to snap into a new routine and just handle it like an adult. Um, <laughs> This isn't going to always be the case, but I think if we, if we can, what I try and do is I, I try and figure out what I want to get done for the week um, and just make sure I check those boxes and then around that, you know, enjoy some time and sit outside and, you know, have some IG lives and Zoom calls. I've, I've, had, a, I've had more conversations with um, my college friends than I've had in many years because we do like a Zoom once a month. And so it's a great opportunity to, to do things that you've always wanted to do and not been able to do. I just finished a growth marketing class. Um, oh, actually the woman who runs it, it's called grow class. I highly recommend it. Sarah Stockdale. She's out of Toronto. So I think I was one of the few Americans. Um, <laughs> and it was just an incredible experience on how to, how to understand and execute growth marketing. So that'll play into, you know, my brand as I grow it and things like that. Awesome. Um, but yeah, I think motivation is an up and down fluid thing. And, you should do the best you can to capitalize it by creating a routine, but also realize that things are different and there's some emotional stuff that goes with the differences that we're experiencing as well. Totally. I think everyone handles it differently depending on their emotions. And I think that's okay. Like some people said, you don't come out of this quarantine with a new skill, a new 
habit, a new side hustle, then like you're failing. And it was like, well, yeah. I don't think that's necessarily the case. Like I know actually the first yeah. couple weeks, like I was on, I was like super productive. Okay. What do I have to shift in my business? What do I have to do here? Um, creating content, whatever. And then I like started getting to a routine and I was like, why do I feel forced to do this? I don't have to do this. Like we're going through this time that no one else has gone through. Let's just like yeah. absorb, absorb the time and like yeah. get some interception going and yeah. Yeah. Um, someone asked a very unserious question, so that'll break up the serious questions about I love it. and mindset. There's about PB and J or grilled cheese with that grilled sourdough. Cheese. Oh yeah. Mm-hmm. Actually, I do an avocado toast, and so oh, okay. the way I do avocado toast is I butter each side of the bread, uh, and then kind of like grill it in a cast iron pan, Ooh. and then I get either some garlic spread or garlic hummus put that on there, slice up the avocado. I get some like tomatoes, crushed red pepper, and then either like Parmesan or like um, feta or cheese of your choice or no cheese if you want to go vegan. Um, And that's, yeah, it's delicious. And like when you basically pan fire it in like a cast iron skillet, it gets nice and crunchy, which I really like. I could go for some sourdough. I didn't. I didn't follow the trend and do sourdough toast either. But no one made me sourdough toast either. Like what the heck? I should have asked. Gotta ask for it. Yeah, that's Gotta what I'm realizing. I think I missed the boat. Now everyone is doing tie dye. I went to the store to buy some, and it was sold out everywhere. <laughs> yeah, it's all these kids. I missed like... that trend. But for anybody out there, I will take a tie dye T-shirt, tie dye tank. Oh, top. perfect! Absolutely. You gotta put it out so. in the universe, and people will give it to Got you. It. Yeah, yeah, I'm going to just say, that, like, please, someone ship me some sourdough bread or something. I actually had, like, a bread-making phase a couple years ago, but I should have yeah. got back into it. But anyway. yeah. Well, <laughs> now I heard it's, like, it, yeast is finally, like, you can finally find yeast in the store again because everybody was baking. Um, but I didn't realize this. I don't, you don't use, I guess you don't use yeast for sourdough. You use a starter, and you have to feed the starter. And, like, oh, it's a process. our neighbor has, like, a 30-year-old starter um, <laughs> that she has to, she takes with her on vacation because she has to con- continually feed it. That's insane. Fun facts. Like, it's oh a Oh, my gosh. Yeah. It's like kombucha, but, like, I have a kombucha mm-hmm. starter, like, the mother. See, like, but... was it a scoby? Yeah. Oh, so it's called? It's so gross looking. Yeah, and, like, I haven't made kombucha in, like, a year, so now it's just, like, this huge thing that's, like, drank all the liquid around it, and so I don't even think I can use it, and I'm like, what do I do with this? They freak me out. Oh, it's so gross. Like, when, yeah. if you enjoy kombucha, when you actually see the scoby for the first time, you'll probably be so turned off it. Oh. <laughs> I've seen one. It's gross. It's bad. My friend, oh. my friend, uh, my friend had one in Colorado, and she made some great kombucha, but, like, She's like, you touch it. I was like, absolutely not. No, no. I uh, yeah, don't touch absolutely. it. Like I'm like gloves and like a little yeah. thing, and I'm like, no. Oh, absolutely not. Yeah, I think the texture would just like I would never Blech. have kombucha again. No. Yeah. yeah. Um. Okay. So back to to a more serious question. Um. In Bob sled in life and in sports, like in, in anything that we do, things often don't go to plan. How do you handle that, and how do you overcome and, and adapt? Well, when things don't go to plan, there's nothing you can do to change it, right? Like if they've already not, if the, if the proverbial shit has hit the proverbial fan, <laughs> uh, you can't change it. So all you can do is either act or react to it. And I find that acting, um, instead of like just a knee jerk reaction is, is much more, uh, productive. And so I have a five minute rule. I can't even remember where I got this from. It's probably from one of my sales managers or something like that. Growing up, I, I sold cut knives as an 18 to 22 <laughs> year old. 
But you, I would say you have five minutes to be really pissed off, angry, overly emotional, um, just what have you. And then after the five minutes, you have to start like taking action. And like the, the anger may not wear off, but like you need to start doing things that are going to move you in the right direction instead of staying stagnant in this feeling of being frustrated. Right. Um, so that's what I would say. And then also I realized really quickly, like when it came to the Olympics, every one of my competitors were going to have tough days. And I felt like the difference between me watching the Olympics from home and, and standing on an Olympic stand was going to be how I handled my tough days. Right. Because I feel like it's human nature. We don't learn a ton from easy days. Our brain just goes, my life's great. I'm awesome. I deserve this. I've worked hard for this. I'm living the life. Let's go. And then the second it like flips, you're like, my life is terrible. I hate this. I hate life. Why did this happen to me? Woe is me. Right. But like how you handle those days and your ability to pivot, grow and be strategic is where you're going to really see an opportunity to get where you want to be. Oh yeah. I love that so much because I think everyone focuses on these like very, very minute details when it's like, Mm -hmm. think about how often like your emotions go like this what if you could have better days, like actually overcome faster when your emotions are down here, the same as your competitors and like make those rough days better. And that's like, that's going to give you a huge leg up, not just a 1%. Those are like those 10%. Those are those major differences. It's it's a, it can be life changing. Absolutely. Yeah, Yeah, totally. And I think this goes, if anyone's watching and they're not an athlete, like in all aspects of life, because it's not just with competition. It's just like with being a better person and Mm -hmm. improving your mindset about everything you do. If you can make those rough days or those hard times better, then you're probably going to be a lot happier, uh, a lot better to be around as a person and better at your job or whatever it is you you want to do. Absolutely. Yeah. I definitely think that those days of adversity and uncertainty are opportunities for growth. And, like, doesn't mean I don't get pissed and, like, end the day crying and frustrated and, like, being like, I don't want to do this anymore. This is stupid. Um, but I just try and rebound from that feeling and, and be, do something productive in the process. Yeah. No, I really like how you, you said you give yourself that five minutes. Because I think a lot of times as a lot of people get into this first, first like, knowledge about growth mindset and things like that, they think that, that it's not okay to have those feelings anymore. They're like, all of a sudden, you know what, I'm on. Like, I never have yeah. these bad days. Uh, if I do the minute something bad happens, I have to just be positive. Yeah. It's like, you know what? Like we're humans. We're going to feel yeah. these emotions. Just give yourself a little bit of time versus I find that actually like when people push down these emotions for so long, especially when they try to bounce back, like immediately without those five minutes, mm-hmm. it almost lasts longer than if you just give yourself and then go and, and, you know, rebound after. Yeah, I agree. You know, especially in this social media culture that we've like kind of fallen into, all we really see are people's highlight reels. Mm-hmm. and highlight reels are great but like I want to know how you got there I want to know what other work it took I want to know the things you ever could I want to know your story I want to know who you are not just the parts that you're um you want to show and are, are shiny you know what what things have you done that you've overcome that you're proud of not just like you look good on oh we just paused here can you hear me oh no. we're back I think are we good? Oh, no, paused again. Okay. Yeah, we're it's... good. We're good. <laughs> Pause again. Okay, hold on. Now I'm back? Okay. Yes. I took it off of Wi-Fi. Hopefully that, that'll stick. Oh, okay. uh, it's funny because... Right. Pause again? No, no, no. We're good. <laughs> Sorry. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah. <laughs> 
Um, yeah, so we were talking about social media, and uh, I think when it did pause, you were in the middle of just explaining how it's you want to know about people's story and those rough days. Yeah, I think it's important to show your whole self, right? Mm -hmm. Your whole self. And I try. Um, but, uh, and I, look, whatever someone does on their social media is their business. It's just for me, I, I want to change the world. And my ability to change the world is, is only there if people can can see a personal connection in my story and if yeah. all i show are like the shiny olympic medal moments then it's like hey that's really cool that you're elite but i can't do what you can do so like why should i listen to how you've done it because i'm not you and so i think that to me is like my responsibility with my platform is to help as many people as possible live their own Olympic moment, right? And so I hope to start a website called Live Your Olympic Moment. I have the web, I have the domain name. I just haven't Perfect. done anything with it. If you named it and someone took it, I would be like, what the hell? <laughs> yeah. Um, and I trademarked it too. Uh, Perfect. <laughs> but, you know, I just, I, wanna, I want people to understand that in order to do extraordinary things, you don't have to be born extraordinary. Um, you definitely have to have opportunity and take advantage of it when it comes, but then you have to work extraordinarily hard, get a good support system, um, and then constantly, constantly be looking towards ways to reach your goal. Yeah. And obviously it's more complicated than that, but that's like the basic framework of, for me, how I see success happening in, in life. Ah, uh, no, I, I really enjoy that. And thank you for sharing more of your story on social media, because I think it's so important for athletes to do that. I always say, uh, impact over hype. And I think there's a lot of athletes yeah. who they use social media just to put their highlight reel, this cool video, this cool photo. But it's like, you know, as athletes or anyone in any sort of like profession that's being watched on TV or has mm -hmm. some sort of platform or fame around it. It's like, what do you use that platform for? Like, yeah. and a lot of people are doing good things. I don't know if you've seen like Zac Efron's new show, but he talks about it a lot. Yeah, yeah. We were just watching an episode uh, earlier yeah. and he talked about how he's like, I achieved this, but I didn't help the world. He's like, so I felt like empty. And so yeah. then he's going out and trying to do something and try to use his platform for good and for a message. And I think it's so cool to see so many athletes who've done that and who are doing it even more of that over the last few months, especially. Yeah. And um, yeah, I really, really respect that with athletes because um, I think it's just much more like athletes have this natural ability to motivate others because of what mm -hmm. they do. And so if you can build that connection and whether you're you're want to inspire people, motivate people, or something totally different, but just use your platform yeah. in a deeper, more engaging way, you're gonna help so many more people. Absolutely, couldn't agree more. Yeah, so I have one more question about uh, motivation, and that's just: is there some tips or things that things that people can read or anything to get them started on this growth mindset path or this mindset of, you know, um, bouncing back from adversity and just being better at handling all these challenges? Yeah, one of my favorite books is The Four Agreements. And yeah, yeah. what the four agreements, basically the premise is, is like, you know, I think we put a lot of stock in how people treat us. Right. And one of the things I really connected with is like, if someone's nice to you or they're mean to you, it says more to more about them than it does about you. So stop putting so much weight and value into how people are interacting with you and treating you. Obviously don't allow someone to mistreat you, but also don't necessarily take it personally because yeah so much of what they're putting out has to do with what they're ha what's going on internally. So that's one of my favorite books. Um, I listened to, I don't know if you guys have heard of Eric Thomas before he's like the, the, uh, the preacher who's like 
just telling people like you you gotta want it as bad as you want to breathe you know you remember, uh, that video was so like iconic I listened to that video I listened to that the audio for that video before every race yeah like you have to want it as bad as you want to breathe like th- and there's always different parts like the part like you know y- y- I want you to get to the point where I don't have to pay you to do what you do because you love it so much is the basically the concept behind it yeah. um and talking about just like how different successful people you know they're not worried about eating they're not worried about sleeping they're worried about getting their stuff done right they're not like oh I- I'm not getting to sleep oh I'm not eating enough they're just like you know, I've been on this movie set for three days and I didn't eat. I forgot to eat. Like, you should eat. Don't do that. But my point is, <laughs> are you passionate and are you willing to work hard enough where you have to remind yourself to eat? Um, yeah. yeah, it just spoke to me. So, like, every time, before every race, it really creates some clarity around what I'm trying to accomplish. Like, singular focus, get this done, and then we can worry about the other stuff later. Oh, I love that because I actually I posted on Sunday for people to comment on one of my posts like sports quotes and someone commented yeah Eric Thomas's quote and then I was like replying with them about the video and then the audio and it was bringing back memories that I used to I downloaded the audio and I played in my car and I remember one night I picked up my brother we're driving and like you know just on shuffle we're listening to some good jams it just comes on and then I like keep putting it and he's like what the hell like take this off like it's like 9 p.m we're just driving and I'm like nuts so motivational yeah and it's so funny when yeah. it's like if you put it on and you just on shuffle and just comes on and you like have someone in your car that doesn't know you well or something it's like um okay yeah yeah i know right you're like this is this is intense what is this? <laughs> this is normal this is my everyday yeah. just listen yeah. to this all the time right yeah but those those things are so powerful is there, is, is there anything else that like as a kid like i know i put quotes and like pictures on my wall i put like the olympic snowboard champion on my wall and her standing on the podium and like all these things is there anything else that you did that that really motivated and played a big role in your motivation growing up you know growing up I wasn't like I was never like the poster person I was never like the quote person it was just like I I would get in my head something that I wanted to accomplish and then I just couldn't let it go yeah so to the point where like it was the first thing I thought about when I got up in the morning it was the last thing that that I thought about before I went to bed and it was just like something that took all of me um, and so that's what Bob said was the last four years, it was just like everything I did, I knew I was going to either push me closer to my goal or pull me further away. And so, you know, I was very strategic with my time. Um, but I've, ne- I've never been the type of person to like write down affirmations. And I don't, that I think that's, that's awesome if it works for people. I just like, I don't know what it is. Something will click and it, I'll just decide that it's important to me. And then that's <laughs> all that matters to me, sometimes to a detriment, but like, Yeah. <laughs> Oh, no, I I really like that because I I love doing these interviews and sharing with other people because I know I have a lot of non-athletes even that that tune in and um, who tune into the podcast as well. And I think that like the the quotes and the things that athletes say because it's you're trying to hit that pinnacle of athleticism and the pinnacle of physical and mental moment, like in the moment Mm -hmm. um, that it can resonate to anything that anyone does because it's, it's like such an extreme here that you're able to say it so clearly like everything that you're doing and then people can apply it to their lives and maximize yeah. whether whatever their job is their other goals so they don't have to be an elite athlete to take a lot of motivation and different things from athletes yeah absolutely i agree 
So I, I want to uh, chat a little bit about being a, a woman in sport. And I know at the start of this, you chatted about uh, how you went to an all girls school. And I yeah. think that I would love to hear about that. Cause I know like going to school, I played boys baseball, I played every sport yeah. and there was judgment around that. There's a lot of judgment. And so going to an all girls school, it must've been very different, but I'm, I'm interested to hear about it. Yeah. You know, I think um, it was great because the star athletes were always female. Right. There was no choice. There wasn't an option for men to be star boys to be star athletes. And don't get me wrong. I love men. Don't have anything against them. But like, <laughs> you know, there is a need for equity and equality in female sports. There's some statistics about like, you know, by the time uh, girls reach like middle school, high school, like half of them stop playing sports. And then by college, it's like 10 percent or something. I'm, I'm messing up the stat. The, the point is, is that the attrition rate, yeah. yeah, the attrition rate for like females in sports is massive. And like, you know, sport has, has, it's not who I am, but it's allowed me to be who I am. It's given me yeah. the opportunity and it's opened doors for me to expound on who I am. Right. It's been given me a platform to be able to create a uh, fairly successful speaking career, even through COVID where right? I'm doing a lot of online speaking and virtual speaking and, give me opportunity to partner with brands and, you know, come in as a consult in a, in a consultant type role. It's given me, you know, the opportunity to like better understand business, right. And how like mindset and overcoming and all that stuff uh, associates back to business. And so, um, or like people that you didn't choose. And I think I'm frozen. Am I frozen? You're back. You're back. It okay. froze, but like the audio kept going. So it was okay, good. Okay, good, good, good. <laughs> like, and I see a little circle going. <laughs> uh, so yeah, so athletics has been such a special part of my life. And I've had different relationships with it at different times. But like, I can't imagine who I would be without sport. Right? I and feel even though it's not all of me, it's really shaped who I am. And um, I can only imagine that there are some... You know, I, I, in talking to people and corporations, you know, there's always like this little sadness where people are like, yeah, I really was into sports, but I didn't really pursue it. And like, there's always mm -hmm. this like kind of sad, sad quality to it. Like maybe I should have. And for me, like, that's what it's about. I, I don't want to have any regrets at the end. So yeah. I say yes to as many things as I possibly can and then figure out how to accomplish them later. Yeah. No, I think it's so important. Like that, that's that like breaks my heart because I think about how my parents, especially my dad was so encouraging. Like today mm -hmm. I did the day of day of football as an NFL player. But when I was a kid and throwing a ball with my dad and I said, I want to be an NFL quarterback. He's like, okay, like let's put you into football. And yeah. then I was like, I want to be a pitcher. And he's like, okay. And he put me into, into baseball. Baseball. Yeah. And, and so like, he didn't let me think about any of these things. Unfortunately, like, you know, life happens all of a sudden. Society you get older. happens. Yeah. exactly and all of a sudden you're yeah. told no you can't do that like you know you can't play nfl football no like you you can't do baseball no there's no you know at the time no women's baseball or there's only softball um so all these things are are yeah society driven and i do think that it that's a stat that i definitely want to change um but i think it does come from the fact that there aren't these professional opportunities in most sports and if there's not mm -hmm. these professional opportunities if you're a girl coming up and someone's saying hey like you got to decide your major at college you have to decide this sports is almost like okay well that'd be yeah. a fun thing but it's going to distract me from you know my 
uh, academics. That's where yeah. the real job is because there's nothing after. Like it's like people versus people are going to college so that then they can get into the NBA, so then they can get into the NFL. So, yeah, I it's such a it's it's an interesting problem i've been thinking a lot about it over the years do you find is there any judgment or any any differences in your specific sports i know i think bobsled is like it's kind of fairly an even playing field in the sense that you know men and women but i different sports it are, is are and different. it isn't you know men have two-man bobsled and four-man bobsled uh, right so women we've been trying to get four-man bobsled into the olympics and they gave us mono bob so like it's another opportunity but it's like another opportunity for just the pilot and so the goal was really to <laughs> some of the neighborhood kids are right <laughs> um the goal was really to allow more women to experience the olympics through bobsled and so mono bob really doesn't solve for that yeah um but you know it takes time. And like one of my, one of the things I'm working on now is the pay gap. Talk about things that make you mad. Mm -hmm. There's like mm -hmm. some like $66 billion in global sponsorship spend uh, annually. And out of the top 100 paid ath professional athletes, there's only two women, Serena yep. Williams and Naomi Osaka. And both tennis. Yep. And women, pro female athletes capture about 0.4% of that global spend. And so I've started working with a platform called parity, which okay. um, I will have a conversation with you about, because I have some questions with you for you about like Instagram and stuff like that. Um, that just is, it's basically a marketplace for pro female athletes to have more opportunities to link with brands and get paid mm. for Instagram posts, you know, but it's also a community. It's a, like, I'm sure when you retired, you were like, what the heck am I going to do? now that mm -hmm. I'm done like some people know exactly what they want to do and some people have been doing it since they were three so they're like well I don't know my life without the sport and I don't know what I'm qualified to do and so the platform will offer uh webinars on resume interview skills coaching skills um I want to do a webinar on imposter syndrome right like how mm -hmm. women always feel like their success is a fluke and that they haven't accomplished enough and all that stuff so crazy um, that it's so prevalent in women, especially then there's, yeah. there's men that sign up for crazy jobs that are way out of their, their grade of their expertise. Depth, right. Yeah. I saw a statistic, like if a woman sees uh, one thing in a job description that they don't know how to do, they'll question whether or not they have the skills. If a man right. sees at least one that they know how to do, they'll go ahead and apply. And so now <laughs> I apply for all kinds of stuff. Unless yeah. you need like an advanced degree that I don't have, but <laughs> other than that, yeah. I'm gonna say yes. Yeah, absolutely. So yeah, that's been that's been super fun because I feel like we need to be part of the solution and not wait for other people to solve it for us. Yeah. Um, and parody feels like my opportunity to pay it forward to the next generation. Who, you know, I'm so grateful for the the women that came before me, uh, like Billie Jean King, and you know, yeah. um, and that foundation and everything to push equity for women so now it's the next the next phase has to come out too yeah what do you think are ways that we can best support the next generation of females apart from this is there anything that you've seen other people doing creative solutions yeah i think one thing is um ask for what you're worth and if you're not sure what you you're worth make sure you invest in it like i don't do a ton of stuff for free um because i should get paid for my expertise and um, I would say for every woman, they should spend time understanding what your expertise is. Everybody has an expertise in something. There's something that yeah. you know more than other people and can speak passionately about it. I would say uh, find ways to support other women, right? And 
you know, build your lady tribe and, you know, build each other up. Um, one of the things I'm really trying to do is because especially in the Olympic Olympic space, uh, we're pitted against each other, right? Cause there's only so yeah. many spots for an Olympic team. So it's really hard to see teammates as friends or as people that you want to help because helping them could potentially mean you're not going to the Olympics, mm -hmm. but that doesn't have to be the case outside of sport, right? We can, we all need to come together to really, uh, solve this issue. So I like the quote of like, you know, if there's one seat at the table if for one female, don't fight for it, fight for more seats at the table. And I, you know, oh, what? that gave me chills. I love that. <laughs> it, it's something that's been like, and I feel, I don't know if you've, you felt the same way, but as an athlete, like you said, like we're pitted against each other in a sense. And so because of it, I've always had that competitive mindset, for example, like in school, I was like, you know, the top girl at the end of the beep test or the, mm -hmm. so for me, it was like always about like, I want to be the top girl or this. Mm -hmm. I didn't put it in my mind. What if I could get more girls to be at the end of the beep test with against the guys? What if I could yeah. get more girls and recruit more girls to come play on the boys baseball team instead of being like, I'm the only one. And so, you know what? I think like, that's just part of its maturity, but part of it is also yeah. like in, in my mind back then, I didn't realize what I was doing being the only person being on the baseball team. Like I wasn't I didn't realize the big deal, which in some ways was good. Some ways I realized mm -hmm. I could have done more to help other people in, in my age. And so now yeah. that's, I've been realizing it a lot over the past year and trying to help the next generation because I'm like, you know, it's important for us to push and make these changes because those are the girls that we looked up to. Like yeah. you said with the U.S. women's hockey team, like for me, it was mm -hmm. Canadian women's hockey team. Yeah. The, the rivalry is deep. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> those games are so intense. Like oh, U.S. Man. Canada, oh my gosh. It's nuts. I it's think absolutely it, it, it gets as many watches for sure as the men's like here. That is, that is the game. Like we, yeah. my whole family is watching everyone. I think yeah. women's hockey is the fastest growing sport currently. And I think women's hockey got the highest viewership during the Olympics, at least in the United States. Um, yeah. So, yeah. I talked uh, two weeks ago, I had a professional women's hockey player on um, and she yeah, she chatted about some of the pro leagues and the differences. And we had a conversation also offline about like some of the leagues that are coming up and how important mm -hmm. it is to, you know, have the right league in place yeah. that's going to survive, last long and, you know, help the next generation. Because if there's just a league that lasts a year and it goes out again, it's going to be hard to, to really market the next mm -hmm. league that comes. And yeah, yep. it's, it's interesting. I think some of those team sports are really pushing the way, like U U.S. women's soccer they're leading mm -hmm. the way big time and then yeah like the women's hockey teams as well yeah. it's it's yeah I, I'm really hoping for some big change there and um same within the business world like you know yeah. I feel the same way like I'm like I'm a woman a female entrepreneur and a lot of the times I was like you know but I I I, I guess I didn't support my other females in the way that I realized is so important because I didn't understand yeah. the difference because I was like you know if say I'm not experiencing it at the time or I'm not it's it's now it's like no you know what like we need to push forward it's not right. about competition it's about more seats at the table yeah absolutely I agree yeah I got a question on a previous live that I never answered and I think you, you might be someone who's good to answer this one what can men do to support more women in sport um you know I think a, a lot of it has changed you know I think you know rest in peace Kobe Bryant but he was such a like so passionate about being a girl dad right yeah so passionate about like you know people would come up to and ask him like you need to have a boy um so you could carry on the legacy and Gigi would be like hey I'm the one that's going to carry on this legacy and he was like there you go you know yeah it's Steph Curry same thing this little girl wrote into Under Armour and said hey how come you don't have any 
like more why don't you have more options of colors you know in the girls basketball shoe section and so he wrote her back and gave her the opportunity to design her own shoe you know so I think for men it's realizing that it's an issue that they should care about too because either they have a mother they have a sister they have a wife they have an aunt they have a cousin they have a daughter uh, they have females in their life that they want to see do well and the best way for them to do well is for there'd be opportunities for everybody. And so that's what I really think is just be cognizant of the fact that you may have more opportunities and you may have a bigger platform than some of the females. Um, so make sure to share it and promote and attend female uh, sporting events, right? And buy tickets and watch them on TV um, yeah. and just support it, I think is huge. Yeah. Yeah. No, I think that's totally true. And what's what I found is interesting I see a lot of the hate against women's sports by non-athletic or like semi-athletic men online or teens, the people who would never make it in pro sports or who never yeah. made it. And then it's the, the pro men, male athletes that they support that they like are the ones who are doing the most for female athletes. And I'm like, why don't you listen to these guys? Like, do you see what they're doing with their daughters, with yeah. their wives, their, their families, right. and just even with their other players, like NBA players who are supporting WNBA and these things. And these guys are, who are non-athletic are hating on the feet pro female yeah. athletes. And it's like, oh, my gosh. I just yeah. I don't understand. But you know what? Uh, hopefully there will be some change. But some people's mindsets are yeah, – it's hard to change. <laughs> it is hard. But it's the time is now. And I think uh, the world is ready for things to be different and yeah. equitable. So Yeah. All right. So I got a question here. And I'm just going to open it up and see. Oh, someone asked what your favorite sport is when you were, uh, well, actually, I'm going to put up the question here. What your favorite sport was when you were six? Oh, I love, I was in love with figure skating. Yeah. I took, I took, uh, private lessons. My neighbor next door was a competitive figure skater. Uh, in fact, her mom is a judge and she now, um, works for the Pasadena skating club and supported one of my friends in the Olympics. So she works uh, with Mirai. Um, yeah, I just I loved figure skating when I was a kid. Awesome. Yeah. Question. Yeah, that's awesome. We used to have figure skaters on our hockey teams, and they were great skaters. Like we would go to power skating, and they would show us all up, and we would just be like, "Huh." <laughs> Working through the two-hour power skating practice, and they're all just like, doo, 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 doo. "Yeah, the stamina is nuts. Like oh. it's insane." Yeah, yeah it's so it's good. Insane. All right, I have a few quick questions just to finish things off. Fun, more cool. fun questions. Um, what is your favorite athlete quote, if you have one? Or motivational like from quote? A, from another athlete? Oh, just like my favorite, like, mindset kind of quote is, it's never too late to be who you're meant to become. Mm. Yeah. Yeah, that's really good. And I think that's yeah. important. I, I found, like, I have younger athletes who listen to the podcast as well as, like, people in their 40s and 50s. And that's an important message because never yeah. too late. Like, you can be stuck in a job and all of a sudden you, you get this passion for something else. Like, Go do it. You have one life. So Yeah, absolutely. Be strategic yeah. about it, of course. You still yeah. don't like put your job in. Peace out and move it. Into the win. But yeah. like, yeah, you, you can be strategic and do more of the things that you enjoy. So, yeah. yeah. Awesome. What is your go-to hype up gym song? You know, I, anything by Beyonce is great. Um, I have like a list of like, this dj called girl talk i really like that mm-hmm. it's just like a mix of music and then honestly i like like sappy pop songs <laughs> i like things that i can easily sing along to 
Yeah. Are you that person whose two-hour workout takes, like, four hours because you're dancing between sets? Yes. Oh, yeah. Mm -hmm. I feel you on this. Yeah. (laughs) My coach used to write up, like, for CrossFit programming. I had, like, two days, and he was like, okay, like, like, he's like, I, at the end of the day, I was like, I literally spent like 12 hours in the gym. Like, I was like, I brought my laptop and did some work between sessions, but I was just there the whole day. He's like, I didn't write yeah. you 12 hours of programming. He's like, what were you doing? <laughs> he came to visit and was like, what? Well, he's like, okay, this is why it takes you so long. You're just yeah. talking and dancing. Yeah. And I'm like, yeah, well, totally. sorry. <laughs> um, all right. So my last question that I like to end things on and ask everybody is if you could make or describe your legacy in one word what would that one word be the tough tough one <laughs> uh it would be laughter oh i like that i was gonna say like inspiration or motivation those all things those are great i really enjoy making people laugh i like yeah. it yeah. I really like, I want people to say like, man, Lauren, remember Lauren? She's funny. <laughs> She's funny. Yeah. Oh, I like that. I've gotten such, such great answers from this question. And I really, really like that one. Yeah. Um, Vladdy said, I would say the world needs way more real sport role models, such as yourself to change the situation, the people's mindset on women in sport. That's awesome. That sounds like an amazing compliment. <laughs> oh, thank you. Wow. You can great. be that woman someday. <laughs> Awesome. So, okay. Uh, where can people find you and like book your motivational speaking and all the things that you're up to? Yeah. So you can slide into my DMS LA gives 84. <laughs> if you have like a company that, you know, could use some motivation on their uh, virtual team call. Um, I'm also on the Airbnb platform under the online experiences and there's a ton of other female athletes, male athletes, mm-hmm. other Olympians, other experiences, uh, there's like a beekeeping experience. See, like it's not oh, all about what? me. It's yeah, you can like see someone keeping bees virtually. I just saw that today. Um, yeah, that and then like I'm on LinkedIn too. If you want to go to my profile, and then I have a TEDx talk. So if you Google Lauren Gibbs TEDx, uh, you can get a little free content there too because maybe not everybody has the money um, <laughs> to book me as a speaker, and uh, I still want to help those people too. So. awesome no that's perfect well thank you so much for sharing your insight uh, motivating people and making people laugh (laughs) yeah anytime thanks for having me awesome well thanks so much have a great rest of your day you too bye bye if you like this episode please share it with a friend share it on social media tag me at natalie allport and check out my website www.natalieallport.com thank you for tuning in